Thanks, Stacy. Uh, there is another category, by the way. It's called old people, all right? And you'll know those videos because they have strategic pauses where people like us can go, huh? Or what'd he say? Or I don't know about that. Anyway, there is another category. Good morning, Myrtle Grove. Good. That's the interactive part of the sermon. So far, you're not doing well. Good morning, Myrtle Grove. Yes, and good morning also to those of you who are listening out there in cyberspace. Uh, we are glad you're listening. Uh, doesn't matter the reason. Maybe you're part of the family and you're home today. Maybe you're not a part of the family and you just found this place. Uh, and it, it's starting to make sense to you. Who knows? Maybe you're a Christ follower who maybe has given up on the church but not on God. Or maybe you're just searching. Either way. If you're listening, we're glad you're here. And I can tell you right now, this is a fun place to be, right? And if you live anywhere near here, we would love for you to come visit. I know y'all would, right? Please come visit this church in person. Be a part of this family. I don't know if this title has been put out this morning, the kind of the idea of what we're going to be talking about. It's the message is actually a resolution to remember. And you might think it's a little bit odd that we're talking about resolutions in March. By the way, how many of you made resolutions for New Year's? If you did, raise your hand. Okay, good. Now, how many of you actually thought about making resolutions but then decided... I'm just not going to do it because I don't keep them anyway. Well, a recent poll in Great Britain, it's interesting, showed that 80% of New Year's resolutions have fallen by the wayside in Great Britain by the end of March. 80% of Brits who make resolutions on January 1st have quit by the end of March. Guess how long it takes Americans to reach that same percentage. Anybody want to guess? Yeah, there you go. End of January, one month. We can do it way faster than the Brits. In fact, did you know the, what percentage of Americans actually keep their resolution for one year? Anybody want to venture or wait a guess? 10, five, one. Actually, it's 8%, 8% of Americans keep their resolutions for the whole year. Studies show that our resolutions are elusive at best. And I think that while Americans recognize the need for change, we all know we need to change, few of us really ever find the resolve to actually change. And sadly, as devoted Christ followers, we in the church also fall victim to the same failure rate when we make resolutions for change, which is interesting to me. So I thought today would be the perfect day to talk about resolutions. And if you struggle with making good resolutions and actually keeping them, then if you don't hear anything I say today, hear these two things. I'm gonna make it really quick. First, life is two dates and a dash. Did you hear that? Life is two dates and a dash. We're born, we die. And there's this dash that runs in the middle. And the dash is really important. Second, 
Chapter 1 of Genesis tells us that in the beginning, the earth was formless, shrouded in darkness, empty. The Greeks used a word to describe that called chaos. In the beginning, the world was steeped in chaos, shrouded in darkness. But we see that right in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit hovers over the world and collides with that chaos and that darkness and out pops what? New what? Creation. And in that first chapter of Genesis, no less than six times in that collision, God says, it is what? Yes. And then the very end, he says, it is very good. There's a spiritual principle, folks, that's at work in the world, whether you see it or not, whether you believe it or not. And that spiritual principle is this. When the Holy Spirit collides with chaos and darkness, new creation happens every single time. And that creation is good. God says, it's very good. So, as we move forward from here forward in this time of reflecting together, I want you to remember those two things. Our lives, your life, my life. Two dates and a dash. And the dash is really important. And two, it's a mathematical principle. Holy Spirit plus chaos and darkness equals new creation that God says is very good. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is simple this morning. Nobody leaves here the same. None of us. Not me, not anyone. Not Stacy, not the elders. Nobody leaves here the same. But that we are all transformed this morning as we collide with your Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the thousandth time. Regardless. That collision, Lord, creates new creation today. Transformation transforms lives. No one leaves the same. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, there you go. Artful Eddie lacked nothing. Let me just tell you, he was the slickest of the slick lawyers. He was one of the loudest roars of the 1920s. He was a crony of Al Capone. In fact, he ran the gangster's dog tracks. He was a lawyer. He mastered the simple technique of fixing dog races. It's really not rocket science. You just overfeed seven and bet on what? The eighth. You'll win every time. He was good at it. He, he lacked nothing. He had wealth. He had status. He had style. Artful Eddie, uh, Eddie was, was an, an interesting character in that time. So why did he turn himself in? Why did he offer to squeal on Al Capone? What was the motive? Didn't Eddie realize that it was a surefire way to end up with concrete shoes at the bottom of the river? You don't squeal on the mob and expect to live. He knew that, but he'd made up his mind. Why? What did he have to gain? What could society give him that he 
didn't already have. He had money, he had prestige, he had power. What was the hitch? Eddie revealed the hitch. It was his son, Butch. Eddie had spent his life with the despicable. He had smelled the stench of the underworld for so long. He, he was tired of it. For his son, he wanted more. He wanted Butch to have a name. And to give him that name, he had to clear his name. He was willing to take that risk. Take that risk that his son could walk a different set of footprints than Eddie walked. Now, Eddie never saw his dream come true. Because after he squealed, two shotgun blasts ended his life. Was it worth it? You know, like Eddie's time, we live in an interesting era in American culture. Two things jump at me immediately. First, one is that as we rang in our new year, 2021, right? For many people, it was no longer a time of celebrating and anticipating what's happening in the new year as much as it was a simple, thank God, 2020 is over, right? I mean, what a crazy year. Sadly, though, for many of us, 2021 is turning out simply a new start to old habits that we wish we could discard. And secondly, people in our culture today, folks, and hear me on this, are hungry for spiritual meaning in their lives. They're as hungry as I've ever witnessed in America. Our culture is trapped in chaos and darkness. Americans are turning to just about any and everything imaginable to find real joy and meaning in their lives. And sadly, for the most part, they're coming up empty-handed. If you're like me, and you're running a bit late this year, and you haven't made any New Year's resolutions, I have two I want you to consider. When we look back at this passage in a few moments, we're going to see that the Apostle John leaves us with no doubt why he wrote his gospel. He tells us that he was resolved to witness to the things that he had seen Jesus do and the words he had heard Jesus say. John tells us that he's doing this for one reason, to convince us, you and me, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah sent to be the Lamb of the world who offers us hope Hope of being reconciled to God, our creator, once again. John wants us to believe, as he believes, that Jesus is worthy of our trust and our worship. And that he can, we can have complete confidence, total, complete trust in his lordship over our lives. The Bible tells us that John resolved to be a witness to the love of God. That's what that gospel is all about. And the reason his gospel is so compelling for us is that it hits two areas of life that eventually all of us get around to thinking about. Us older people, we start to think about it a lot more. John 3.16 tells us that God is vitally interested in our eternal preservation. Did you know that? God is vitally interested in our eternal 
preservation. And John 10.10 tells us and reminds us that God sent his son into the world that we might not just have life here and now, but have it what? Abundantly, yes. Abundant life now, eternal life to come is what being a Christian is really all about. It's not solely about life in the hereafter. It's every bit as much about living joyfully and abundantly right now. Now, John resolved to witness to these facts, and his life was forever changed. This morning, I'd like to challenge you to think about your own resolutions, or lack thereof. I would like to offer you to accept the life of a witness. Because the best witness is a life committed to following Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you are saying to yourself, okay, you know, I want to be a good witness. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, that was really important to me. I want to do that. But maybe you veered to the left, veered to the right. Some of you might be here today thinking, well, I came here because I'm looking for answers. I haven't made any resolutions. I'll listen. That's good. Regardless of where you are, hear me out. I have two resolutions that I want you to consider. Let's look at them together. They come straight out of the scripture. First is, one, resolve to follow Jesus. It's a simple one. You see, our text starts with John the Baptist, doesn't it? In verse 35, it tells us that John the Baptist, resolving to be that witness, points two of his most trusted relationships, his own disciples, to Jesus. He declared to them, behold, the Lamb of God. And this begins a series of cause and effect. Now, you watch carefully how this unfolds. John's disciples, trusting John the Baptist as a trustworthy witness, follow Jesus. They resolve to follow Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. We know from the Gospels that these disciples were John, the writer of the Gospel, and Andrew, his friend. They were both fishermen. The Bible tells us that after following Jesus for a while, they asked him if they can spend more time with him. And they ended up spending the whole day with Jesus. Now, let's break this down. Work with me here. The cause was John the Baptist's witness, right? The effect was that John and Andrew followed Jesus. The result was they spent the whole day with Jesus. Now, as that cycle of cause and effect goes, the effect of one cause becomes the cause of another. After spending the day with Jesus, Andrew resolves to be a witness too. He immediately went and found his brother Peter and brought him to meet Jesus. And from that moment on, Peter's life was forever changed. Cause. Andrew spent time with Jesus. Effect, Andrew resolved to go and tell others about him. Result, Andrew's brother Peter was forever changed. Folks, if you want to be a witness, here's the blueprint. It starts with this action that causes that chain reaction. You have to be willing to spend time with the Lord. We have to be willing to spend time with the Lord. It means rearranging our schedules. You have to. 
to do this if you want this, if you want to resolve to be a follower. Now, I want you to note that Andrew, John, and Peter, they were fishermen, right? Right? They didn't give up fishing. I don't know if you noticed that. They just put their priorities in line, and they let them fall in the right place. Now, after following for only a short while, they wanted to spend more time with Jesus. And I can guarantee you that if you resolve this year, 2021, to read through your Bible, your whole, the whole Bible, and there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, you can find them online. Uh, you can talk to Stacy. You can talk to one of the elders. In the EPC here, we even in our presbytery have a great one called Bible in 90 Days. You could read the whole Bible through in 90 days if you want to resolve to do that. You know, the Bible still is the most read book in the world. And if you haven't read it all, what a great resolution. And you can do it in 90 days. Just talk to Stacy. He'll lead you in that direction. Anyway, we have to be willing to read our Bible, spend time praying. It's got to happen every day. If you want a life to be transformed into the life of a witness, we have to resolve to follow Jesus. And by following Jesus means we have to spend time with him. Resolve to follow Christ right now. In fact, if that's you, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, it's not easy being faithful and obedient. Help us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we can't do this on our own anyway. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to resolve to follow you, to make you a daily commitment in our lives, to read your word, to listen to your voice, to commit, Lord, to praying, talking to you, dialogue, whatever that works like in our own lives. Because I know you want to talk to us. So for that person right now that's willing to do that. Maybe it's that person who's never done it before, who's never had a relationship with you, that's just listening out there in cyberspace. Let this be the day. Let your Holy Spirit soften our hearts and move us to you. Thank you, Lord. We accept this in your name. Amen. Resolution number two. We need to resolve to see others as Jesus sees him. John goes on to tell us that Jesus found a young man named Philip. He tells us that Philip resolved to follow Jesus. After following Jesus for only a short time, Philip, like Andrew, also resolved to introduce others to Jesus. John tells us that he went and found Nathaniel. Now, I have to be honest. Nathaniel sounds like a skeptic of the worst sort, doesn't he? He's pretty skeptical. His response is not unlike the response that I get when I tell other people about Jesus. Perhaps you too, okay? He, he had an immediate reason to cut off the conversation. Did you notice that? Because he says, what good comes out of Galilee? I don't even want to have this conversation, you know? And I, and I love the, re, the way Philip responds to that. Philip, who's resolved to be that witness, he doesn't get an argument. Do you notice how he doesn't argue theology? He, he doesn't try to beat up his friend. He simply says three words. What are they? Come and see. Three simple words. Come and see. 
Even when Nathanael met Jesus, his first response wasn't very humble, was it? Think about it. Verse 47 tells us that Jesus said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Folks, that is sarcasm. If you didn't think Jesus could, be, could give and take, he could. This is simple sarcasm because the scripture tells us there's nobody that's without what? Deceit, right? There's nobody that doesn't have falsity in their lives. Jesus knows that. But he says that to, to Nathaniel, and look at Nathaniel's response. Hey, how do you know me? You know, Mr. No Deceit, Mr. Perfect Life. How do you know me, Jesus? Then Jesus looks into his skeptical eyes, and he doesn't see the face of a worthless braggart, okay? And he just discarded Nathaniel without, as if he has no value. Instead, Jesus looks into Nathaniel's heart, and he re- reveals to him that while he was praying alone under the tree, God saw him, and he heard his prayer. Nathaniel's skeptical arrogance immediately melts into humble belief, doesn't it? Immediately. No more arrogance. Simple belief. Again, we see a law of cause and effect here. Look at it. Cause. Philip resolved to follow Jesus. Effect. Philip resolved to see others as Jesus saw them. Result. Nathaniel's search for meaning ends this day. If you're searching for meaning, folks, that's how it looks like and ends. It ends in the face of Jesus. Now, Terry Matthews was working for Southern California's Humane Society when she got an emergency phone call, okay? It seems that a boy's iguana lizard had been chased up a tree by the neighbor's dog. And when it went up the tree, it went out on a limb, and when it went out on a limb, it fell in the neighbor's swimming pool. And it sank to the bottom of the pool like a rock, okay? So when Terry Matthews got there, and she got there pretty quickly, within a few minutes, she had her net and saw the lizard, so she immediately dove into the pool, swam to the bottom, grabbed the lizard, brought it back up, and laid its lifeless body out on the deck. But then she did something really different. Rather than just saying, "Mm, sorry, she decided that if you can give CPR to a person, then you can give it to a lizard too. And locking lips with that lizard, she began to breathe into that lizard's lifeless body. Folks, the lizard responded. It started breathing again, It came back, and it actually fully recovered. Now, a reporter from the local newspaper asked her, why would you do that? You know, why would you lock lips with a lizard? Terry Matthews' response was really simple. She said, well, in hindsight, I have to admit that it was a pretty ugly animal, and kissing it wasn't my first choice. But, she said, I would rather do that than tell a young boy that his lizard, his favorite pet actually, was dead. Can you see the difference here? 
Terry Matthews didn't see a lizard. She saw the favorite pet of a young boy. Total different perspective. Folks, we may not see beauty in some people. I know I struggle with that sometimes. But when we realize how much that person means to God, we will also do whatever it takes to keep them from drowning. You will do that. If you are willing, even the people you don't like or have a different viewpoint in life from you, if you're willing to see them the way God sees them, you will be willing to do what it takes to be that witness to them. Resolving to be a witness means resolving to see others the way Jesus sees them and being willing to love them as he loves them unconditionally. What was it about spending time with Jesus that forever changed the life of these people? I think the gospel message is the key. I'm going to be really honest. That's my feeling here. Spending time with Jesus challenges us with the reality that for many, life is a journey from birth to death. We're born, we live 70 or 80 years, and if we're fortunate, we might live a few more, but then we die. Two dates and a dash, folks. But as we spend time with the Lord in his word, like John and Peter and Andrew and Philip, we're confronted with the truth that our dash doesn't have to be a road to death. Instead, through faith in Christ, our dash becomes abundant eternal life. And in doing so, our dash becomes a witness to the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a light for those who are lost in our culture, in the chaos and the darkness of this culture today. We become those witnesses to people like Nathaniel. We all know Nathaniel, skeptic, you know, doesn't want to hear. America is searching for meaning today. We know that. Your friends are searching in the chaos and the darkness. Your, some of your family members. Their hope is the same as our hope. New creation in a relationship with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. They have the same need we have. We have to resolve as Christ followers to see others as Jesus sees them and now would be a good time, I think, to put aside our judgmental, critical hearts. We all have them. I have it. Now's the time to put them aside. You carry the Holy Spirit, folks. You are the Holy Spirit that hovers over the darkness of our culture. This is exactly what Paul is speaking about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Turn with me there if you have a moment. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is what? Yes, a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Jim came to the realization that the Christian faith was real. 
and that Jesus was who he claimed to be. But this conclusion in his life only created turmoil inside of him. He resolved to share this with others, but he didn't know how to do it. That's, that, a lot of us have that same issue, folks. A lot of us, Christ followers, we want to do it, but we don't know how to do it in our, in our own lives. How we can uh, leverage our influence and our, our faith in our circumstances, wherever we are planted. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, but Jim resolved to do that. And in resolving to do that, he decided to befriend a young family of Vietnamese refugees who had recently moved into his community. Soon Lee and his family had no possessions, no friends, and they desperately needed help in just about every way. They had nothing. Jim began by helping them get enough food. And then he searched diligently for a good job for the father. And all the while, he wanted to, so much to tell Soon Lee about Jesus Christ, but he didn't know Vietnamese and Soon Lee knew no English. So Jims decides he's gonna learn Vietnamese. He's gonna take the time to learn Vietnamese so he can share Jesus with his friend, Soon Lee. And after much hard work, he finally felt like he had enough knowledge so he could tell his friend about Christ. And he began to explain God and Jesus to Soon Lee. However, it seemed like the more he talked, the more Soon Lee became confused. And, and it got very frustrating to Jim. And finally, he just said, I'll just stop until I learn more Vietnamese. Soon Lee, sensing Jim's despair, blurted out, is your God like you? Jim explained that Jesus Christ is so much more than me, so much greater than me. And looking at Jim, Soon Lee said, if Jesus Christ is like you, Jim, I want to know more about him. You see, for all those months, Jim had thought that he had to wait for the right moment to testify to what Jesus had done in his life. Until this moment, he never realized that love was more easily demonstrated than defined. And that his life was a living testimony to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Folks, a life committed to following Christ is always the best testimony. More people are guided to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by your footprints than they are by your instructions. We need to resolve to leave footprints that are worthy to be followed as devoted Christ followers. We need to resolve to that today. Now, speaking of footprints, it brings me back to Artful Eddie. Had Eddie lived to see his son Butch grow up, he would have been proud of his son. He would have been proud of his son's appointment to the Naval Academy in Annapolis. He would have been proud of Butch's commission as a World War II Naval pilot. He would have been proud as he read of how his son saved the lives of 2,600 crewmen aboard the carrier Lexington in 1942. He would have been proud when his son was awarded the first Congressional Medal of Honor as a flying ace in World War II. And he even would have been proud of his son Butch 
on November 26, 1943, when Butch gave the ultimate sacrifice of his life for the country he loved. You know, when people mention the name O'Hare in Chicago today, they think about Butch and aviation heroism, not gangsters. For Artful Eddie, resolve had a risk. It had a price tag. Love this too, folks. Things haven't changed. In a world that's steeped in, day, in the chaos and the darkness like it is, a changed life, people with the Holy Spirit within them who are resolved to follow Jesus are the best testimony we have to offer of the gospel. Not arguments, you know, not all the other peripheral stuff we get involved in. Simple resolution to follow Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I can tell you right now, when the Holy Spirit collides with darkness and chaos, new creation happens every time.